something's gone wrong, you know, and people, the blaming is gone. Well, you were the one who dropped the ball. Don't look at me. You know, it's Sally who is in charge. Is that if we try to talk over them, our voice of reason gets drowned out in the commotions. People are blaming. People are like pointing fingers. Is like over on the left, put find fault, right? Because that's what's happened. You're responsible. You drop the ball, whatever. Find fault doesn't work. Do a pattern interrupt and say the words time out and then move over to the right. Say we're here to find solutions, not fault. You know, it's like uh, John F. Kennedy said, our task is to fix the course for the future, not fix the blame for the past. <laughs> and we, over on the right, we can say, let's not do this. Or we can say, this won't help. You know, arguing with each other won't undo it. Instead, let's figure out how we can keep this from happening again. And now we're pattern interrupt and we move from what's wrong to how we can do it right. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you are meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Well, welcome, Sam, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. It is beautiful to have this time to talk with you. Thank you. You know, I've really been looking forward to sharing some stories and insights with your community. Well, you know, like I'll tell my audience, you know, that Sam, I first met Sam, was it at a unicorn event? I think it was. It was at a unicorn event. We we're able to connect with you. And I didn't know who this woman was. And but everything that came out of your mouth, this was like, what, four or five years ago when I first met you. And I would say, you know, if it wasn't about medical literature, I wasn't reading it. And <laughs> and, I, and I should have been. I should have been reading everything you've ever written. And but everything that came out of your mouth was so profound. And you were part of the ground, you know, that group that in that room labeling me the girlfriend doctor, labeling me the girlfriend doctor. And so with, you know, I attribute I attribute that branding to you and and through the years, through getting to know you, working with you and your help and in so much of what I've done and created, helping me create the word oxyplay. And like, eventually that will be an amazing TED talk. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> so just being able to spend this time with you and talk about what you've written and why it's so important to read and understand this, the concepts that you've put here and talking on eggshell. So I want you to talk about what because you talk about your personal journey too in this. Like, I know, and I love that. And I love your vulnerability in here too, by the way. Well, thank you. So, we've got three different areas. Number one, uh, especially since you are the girlfriend doctor and you came up with a one of a kind brand. So, you're not one of many, you're one of kind. And you came up with something to help you stand out from the crowd instead of get lost in the crowd. So if you want, some of our conversation today could be about how anyone listening, if they have their own business or if they have a project or a presentation or a book, 
how can they help it break out instead of blend in? Because blending in is for Cuisinart, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and then we can talk about being conflict averse and how Harvard said that 67% of women identify as conflict averse. And what that means is uh, when things go wrong or if it's a hard conversation, they just head the other direction. So how can we have the confidence and the clarity to actually face hard conversations instead of run the other way? And uh, then the third thing, if you would like, is that we can also talk about how, as women, we can be real advocates for each other, yeah. how we can support each other, how we can be champions for each other, because that's what you role model with your example and with your show. Yeah, yeah, and the girlfriend doctor community, I mean, we are not alone. The biggest thing here and how that relates to the menopausal journey, it's a time to open up and not to shut down. And I think that's the empowerment piece I want women to recognize is that, you know, we've and many times we deny what we're feeling. We suppress our thoughts, our emotions. We become so disconnected from exactly how we feel we don't even know like we don't even know how to answer other than okay or good or would it you know like we don't tapping into being able to express ourselves instead of talking on eggshells you know you're so right is that uh, wally lamb who wrote the book she's come undone said oh what i've done to be liked you know and if we navigate our life by seeking approval and will will this person get angry or if i say this am i going to hurt their feelings mm -hmm. then guess what that's the name of my book we are talking on eggshells through our life and it's just anxiety producing on a daily basis. We really can't relax because we're always worrying about saying the wrong thing. So the premise of that book is that, you know, here's what to say when you don't know what to say in all these character building situations we face every day. So shall we jump in with some examples? Please. Okay. Now, Anna, you know me, is that I'm going to recommend that people grab a piece of paper, right? <laughs> and put a vertical line down the center. And then on top of the left-hand column, they put words to lose. And on top of the right-hand column, they put words to use. Because uh, Steve Persante, who is the publisher of Barrett Kohler, who was publisher of the year a few years ago, I asked him his criteria for publishing a book. And he said three words. You know what they were? Show just do it <laughs> just do it well that's that comes in second place because that's a good one too and his is show the shift right so see part of what all of my work is about is in the left hand column we put what doesn't work here are beliefs and behaviors that actually sabotage our success here are attitudes and actions that compromise our effectiveness and then over on the right here are beliefs and behaviors that support our success here are attitudes and actions that contribute to our effectiveness and in the book talking on eggshells and tung fu in all of my books at the end of every chapter we have this kind of summary because it's the quickest way to make complex ideas crystal clear and to show the shift. So uh, let's start off with, would you like to know what to do when people complain? Oh, for sure. <laughs> this is not a hypothetical situation, right, Anna? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, so over on the left, when people complain, don't explain. Put explain in the left-hand column. Because if something goes wrong, we think if we explain what happened, people will forgive us. Mm, no explanations come across as excuses 
they actually get angrier because they feel we're not being accountable. So over on the right, put the A train. A for agree. A for apologize. A for act. So say we're late picking someone up. You were supposed to be here an hour ago over on the, oh, I know I was stuck in traffic. I couldn't call you because my phone was dead, la, la, la. And you see, we go down the rabbit hole, right, right. of a conflict that gets worse. What if instead we say, A, agree, you're right. I was supposed to pick you up an hour ago. A, for apologize. And I'm sorry you ended up waiting so long. A, for act. And from now on, if I'm trying to pick you up on a Friday afternoon, I'm building in a cushion for Murphy's Law. Do you see how the A train expedites complaints? Explanations aggravate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I am writing down right alongside with you here and everyone on my team is going to be listening to this podcast for sure. <laughs> and I think it's so important. And of course, when you said, you know, late, I immediately think of my typical, you know, picking up my daughter from school, got distracted, I got engaged in a conversation or, you know, whatever the situation may be. And, and it's just that, you know, build in the cushion, absolutely, like make that change, build in the cushion and apologize you know I, I really love that thank you agree you know, Anna, apologize and act the, yep and and since you talked about picking your daughter up from school let's we have a bonus tip on top of that if we're late picking someone up whether it's our kids whether it's a friend whatever it's because um i think you know my son andrew and I was late picking up Andrew from Montessori one time. And I, I wheeled into the driveway of his Montessori school. And here's his little boy sitting on the steps, dejected. All the other kids are gone. You know, I I started to Paul, you know, Andrew, I'm so sorry. And Anna, he looked at me and he said two words. Do you know what they were? Sorry, accepted. Oh, that is, is that so good. Powerful? That is you, so good. Isn't it? Because it was like, okay, it's over. He also, one time, uh, you know, my sons were born and raised in Maui. And we lived in Wailea, which is in the lee of Haleakala. So we only got five days of rain a year. And on one of the days it rained, Tom turned our mural in our hall wall into a mural. He turned the hall wall into a mural. So I was not a happy camper and I was letting him know about it. And he interrupted me and he said two words that completely transformed the situation. You know what they were? No, what were they? Fresh start. Mm. Think mm -hmm. about that, right? Because if we're carrying a grudge or if we're upset or somebody's, you know, done something, if we say fresh start, two words, it kind of closes the books on it and puts it behind us so we can move forward, right? So good. So good. Like stop that spiral, right? Just to stop the spiral. Let's just get in the present moment. We're good. I love that. Now I'm taking notes on you because I've never used that phrase before, stop the spiral. And I'm going to use it with attribution because that's perfect. That's exactly what we're doing is we're being a pattern interrupt is that over on the left, these reactions are right on the tip of the tongue. Someone's accusing us of something that's not true. Someone's blaming us for something that's not our fault. You know, it's like, hey, why are you blaming me? This isn't my fault. I didn't do this. I wasn't the one. And spiral, right? Yep. 
And so uh, would you like to know a tangible way to be a pattern interrupt and then the words to use? Yes, but I still just have to say you're only late once picking him up. Oh my God, I just had <laughs> to stop there for a second. <laughs> I am just so impressed, <laughs> so impressed. I am trying to get my daughter an early driver's license <laughs> before she even turns 16. I'm like, this is how I'm stopping that spiral. <laughs> See, there are all kinds of ways to stop a spiral, aren't there? <laughs> Good for you for being proud. <laughs> now, Anna, you play sports, right? Yes. Okay. Tell me the sports that you've played growing up, please. Oh, I played soccer and mm -hmm. tennis. Those are my two. Okay. Soccer and tennis. And now with team sports, if people are getting into it, what other than blowing the whistle, the referee uses a hand signal to be a pattern interrupt and to stop the fight. What do what does he or she do? Yeah, well, I mean, it really depends. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, all of that. All, you know, I love this one. Oh, yeah, time it, out. Say something's gone wrong, you know, and people, the blaming me's gone. Well, you were the one who dropped the ball. Don't look at me. You know, as Sally, who is in charge, is that if we try to talk over them, our voice of reason gets drowned out in the commotion. So, like, let's, you know, people and their notes talk about, okay, people are blaming, people are like pointing fingers is like over on the left, put find fault, right? Because that's what's happened. You're responsible, you drop the ball, whatever. Find fault doesn't work. Do a pattern interrupt and say the words, time out, and then move over to the right. Say, we're here to find solutions, mm. not fault. You know, it's like uh, John F. Kennedy said, our task is to fix the course for the future, not fix the blame for the past. <laughs> and we, over on the right, we can say, let's not do this. Or we can say, this won't help. You know, arguing with each other won't undo it. Instead, let's figure out how we can keep this from happening again. And now we're pattern interrupt and we move from what's wrong to how we can do it right. Oh my God, I'm writing down everything you say. I can listen to this again. Hold on. <laughs> but it's so true. And just really recognizing how you can create that pattern interrupt, like the, the concept of timeout. And one of the things too, that I, like a mantra that I, I used with my kids, especially when the, they were all in school, teenagers, middle school, was the pause, breathe, smile, and connect. I mean, it's that just to just change my physiology because I I would be escalating. And then for me and everyone else in the back seat yelling after, you know, like arguing with each other or something, pause y'all, breathe, deep breath in, you know, physiologically we activate the vagus nerve, look in each other's eyes, smile and really connect. And I think that physiologic pattern interrupt and got out of the habit of using it. I'm gonna put that, I'm gonna make a poster on my wall, pattern interrupt. <laughs> Well, Stop you know, viral. now, and you brought up another example. So once again, let's talk about like our kids make a mistake, you know, they do something they shouldn't do. And over on the left are the words should, you know, well, it's mm -hmm. you should have done this, you shouldn't have done this, stop doing this, don't do this, and it makes it worse. So here's a quick story. And then we'll unpack what to say instead that actually helps instead of hurts. So I'm visiting Andrew in New York. And we're getting caught up in the living room and one-year-old hero crawls across the floor and he hauls himself up on a guitar that's on a stand in the corner. He starts banging on the strings. 
Now, over on the left, Andrew could have said, no, he could have said, stop banging on the guitar. He could have said, you know, leave the guitar, stop, whatever, which would have made Hero feel bad. Instead, he said one word. Do you know what the word was? Right. Gentle. And Anna, I saw Hero's face transform in front of me. And he reached back to the guitar, went strum, strum, strum. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, Hero made music. And it was because Andrew shaped his behavior instead of shamed it. Mm. He coached him on how to do it right instead of criticizing him for doing it wrong. And my dad used to say, you can't motivate people to do better by making him feel bad. And he actually showed him how to do it better instead of just making him feel bad. So what a powerful lesson about what to do when we catch our kids or ourselves or someone at work doing something they're not supposed to be doing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that word. I love that example too. It's so tangible and actionable. And that word gentle, it's such a powerful, you know, such a just instructive, powerful now with my one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old grandbaby in the house. Yeah, can totally, can totally relate to that. And coaching instead of criticizing, right? And that and is beautiful. They, they learn from the situation instead of lose face in the situation. And I hope people listening just put down on the left a lot of things they say when they want people to stop what they're doing. Because put down the word stop. Stop right. yelling. Stop hitting your sister, you know, stop roughhousing, you know, it's stop being so loud. So often we actually use words that reinforce the dreaded behavior. So you talked about the pause is that if we're upset and if we're about to say something that has a lot of emotion to it, just ask ourselves, am I over on the left using words like stop or should or don't because I'm going to make things worse? <laughs> No, what do I want them to start doing instead of stop doing? What do I want them to do instead of don't? So instead of stop hitting your sister, give your sister space. Instead of stop yelling, you know, use your inside voice. Instead of, you know, stop roughhousing is that, uh, you know, it's quiet time, time to go to bed. So words matter. They set up ripple effects. And uh, you're talking about a spiral and these words on the left set up a downward spiral and the words on the right set an upward spiral where we're modeling what we want instead of what we don't want. And I want to touch on that, Sam, because, you know, we're working in menopause for, for many, many years now. I also recognize the words that leave scars on the souls and how to erase those words. So like, and as a, as a mom, to, it was totally like knowing, man, I, I want to get out that eraser big time, right? Again, and see what I can do. But also like those, those words are powerful. I mean, I, you know, we grew up with that saying sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And it's so untrue. It's so mm -hmm. untrue, recognizing that those words really can hurt you. And, you know, how do you recognizing that, but are, is there a way we can erase those words on our soul? You know, I hope everyone watching and listening right now just writes down a few things that they say to themselves that makes them feel bad. And Tara Conklin said, the story we tell about ourselves is our greatest work of art. <laughs> so over on the left, do we say I'm a klutz? Over on the left, do we say, you know, I never finish anything? Over on the left, do we say, you know, it's like I don't have any friends? 
over on the left, do we say it's like I'm fat? Over on the left, do we say it's like, you know, I hate my wrinkles, whatever, right? What do we say over on the left? Mm -hmm. We are telling ourselves a story and we are making ourselves feel bad and, and we're not helping ourselves be better. So over on the right, what is a new story that we are going to start telling ourselves right now? Instead of I never finish anything is that I care about this and I'm going to put a date on the calendar and I'm going to get it done. So I feel good about myself instead of I fat is that I care about my body and today I'm going to eat healthy. So at the end of the day, I can look back and feel proud about myself instead of, you know, it's like I hate looking in the mirror because all I see are wrinkles It's like. Thank you, face. Thank you for smiling. Thank you for these eyes that see. Thank you for this mouth that tastes. Thank you for this nose that smells. Thank you, face. It's like, what is a story we can tell ourselves that once again helps instead of hurts? I got one here. So on the left, I put old. And um, on the right, I put, you're going to be a lot older in 50 years. So you better <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, see, and, and with your work with menopausal women, society is giving us a lot of stories, right? Yes. Are, yeah. are, I'm past my prime, right? Is what society is telling us or like we're irrelevant or something like that is that we do not allow ourselves to be defined by society. Mm. You know, I know you and I both agree that every day is a gift. Every yeah. day counts. And to feel grateful for it and blessed by it. You know, Mary Oliver said, instructions for a life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. <laughs> you know, so what, who is in our life that we're grateful for? It's In fact, would you like a little way to actually move into that mindset, even if we've had a bad day, even if we're rushed, even if we're busy? I would love that. <laughs> okay Definitely. it's, uh, it's uh, back when I lived in Hawaii and my sons were young I would I would jump on the plane a lot to fly to different islands to fly to Oahu to give a keynote or to give an all-day training and so forth so one time I had a, a contract with the state of Hawaii and I would get up like at five in the morning I'd fly to Oahu and I would fly home that night after a full day of training so I could be there to read stories to my sons and make sure we had our rituals and that I was there for them well, I was running on empty, though. <laughs> I was pretty exhausted. And it was a big contract and a lot of money. And I was doing it because it served a purpose of giving me a little financial breathing space. However, it took a toll. And one night I'm sitting next to my sons and I'm giving them their nightly back rug. You know, it's bumper cars and slap happy and chop hoppy and finger rain and so forth. But I'm a million miles away in my mind. I'm thinking, OK, did I pack my handouts? What time do I need to get to the airport? Is there gas in the car, et cetera? I'm sitting right next to them, Anna, and I might as well be a million miles away in my mind. I can completely relate. <laughs> and then for some reason. My mind came down through my eyes and I saw Tom and Andrew as if for the first or last time. And an ordinary moment became an extraordinary moment. And I was filled with how thankful I was for the blessing of them. I marveled at their creativity and their vitality and their energy. And 
we can we can turn an ordinary frazzled frenzied distracted moment into an extraordinary moment if we just look around us and we see someone and we think that i'm not taking this person for granted you know what a miracle they are you know we can look i'm looking up here i have georgia o'keefe's uh blue and green where she tried to paint what music sounded like and every time i look at it i'm in awe of art and the gift of it i have meaningful things in my room so anytime i look i remember you know my sister got me these flowers i keep them inside in mind right it's like here are my books that i've written every time i look at them i'm so grateful and so what's your version of that i'm curious to know I think it is just, I mean, first of all, I love taking something that's ordinary and turning it into something that's extraordinary and recognizing it. And that appreciation, like being in that moment, that's bringing heaven to earth. So when I hear you say that, it is like bringing heaven to earth. And I remember one time, you know, and then this, this guy was coming out of a deep depression. I was really relying on the word of God in my life to, to work. And part of my prayer was, God, show me heaven on earth. Just show me heaven on earth. And I was in the car in the back seat. My um, uh, daughter, Amanda, was driving and we had been in Jacksonville, Florida, and we were coming back to St. Simon's. They're playing the music loud. My youngest is in the back and another friend is with us and they're all singing. And all of a sudden I felt that uh, feeling like, oh my God, like just this, that in deep in that present moment with great appreciation, with so much compassion and love, like my heart exploded open. I couldn't stop crying. And I realized God has shown me heaven on earth. It is right here. It is right here with us, with the things that are most important to us. And that, it, and that was just a powerful, it was a powerful moment. And then if we recognize, for me, it's that reminder, you know, this is heaven on earth. You can you can make it heaven or you can make it hell. It's up to you. But it's um, that this is heaven on earth. And so that's what you reminded me of just now. And I thank you for that. Heaven on earth. I hope people on their notes put on the left hell, right? Because hell is like getting uh, frustrated with something, exasperated with something, you know, impatient with something. It's that and that just as you said, is that there is heaven on earth if we choose to make that shift and to see someone or something as if for the first or last time. In fact, you know, for my 60th birthday, it's uh, friends put on an event for me at the National Press Club. And uh, they did This Is My Life. And then the next day, we went to see a movie called Midnight in Paris. And I will always remember that this movie, that the lead character was a novelist, and he was going to Paris with his fiance and all she wanted to do was shop and he wanted to go to the cafes where F. F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ernest Hemingway used to hang out and and it, all his fiance wanted to do was shop so one night he's walking home in despair and he walks by a clock and and it chimes midnight and a classic Peugeot drives up and F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> steps out and says want to come to a party so through movie magic, he travels through time. And there he is talking with Salvador Dali and Gertrude Stein and reveling in that cafe society. And toward the end of the movie, a woman finds out that he's traveled through time. And she she implores him. She grabs him by the shoulders and she says, I want to go back 
and meet Rembrandt. I want to meet, uh, you know, I want to go to the Renaissance. And he looks at her and he says, don't you understand? He said, these are the golden days. Mm. These are the golden days. And I hope we put grumpy on the left and golden days on the right. Mm. And if we're feeling grumpy and if we're griping, we're ungrateful. And if we understand that every day counts, and, and I'm not playing light that things go wrong, that we lose loved ones, that we have health challenges, that okay. you know we're working for a boss that we don't like, or I'm, I'm not belittling or undermining or dismissing that. And at the same time, Every day we wake up on the other side of the dirt is a good one, right, Anna? <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. So true. And I mean, I think it's such a beautiful example in the visuals that you paint with your words. I'm just, I'm like, you know, you hold writing retreats, Sam. Are you still holding those? I sure am. In fact, I'm involved with several writers' conferences. I think you know that I helped start and run the Maui Writers' Conference for 17 years. What can is to the film industry, we were to the publishing industry. And when we wrapped up, everyone would say, Sam, you know, where's a world-class writing retreat? Uh, you know, and so I'm with Kauai Writers' Conference. I'm doing a program next month for San Miguel Writers' Conference. And I have a retreat coming up later this year. And people are welcome to reach out to me uh, through LinkedIn or my website, and we'll send them information about it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I, I need to make notes of that because I want to, I've been wanting to go to one of your retreats and, and forever. Everyone that I know that has been to one is just, it's been ex ex extraordinary extraordinary and i love the little bits of time so i can't imagine a couple of days with you what, what that would feel like and yeah so definitely look at that and i just do a, a quick shout out say, you know your website samhorn.com so s-a-m-h-o-r-n.com you guys sign up for her emails because when she sends out an email a letter i mean it is profound i mean i get a lot of emails but i don't miss one of sam's because i know that I'm, i get so much value from your writing a smile amusement a tear a just a profound awakening sometimes and so i i thank you for those you guys samhorn.com and i want to just you know touch back on on your work in talking on eggshells and how we, you know, the, the workplace conversation, right? Like, cause you almost feel like you have to talk on eggshells in the workplace, especially if you're feeling like there's challenges, there's people coming up that are smarter, brighter, prettier than me all of a sudden. And, you know, I see something that needs to be changed. And how do you approach that? How do you coach through that? You know, well, the good news is many companies are telling are, are buying a copy for all their employees, employees in the call center, employees at the front desk of the hotel, you know, their team leaders, et cetera, because we're taught calculus. We're not taught what to do when people complain, you know, and so uh, can I share uh, like a favorite example of what we can do as a woman leader that I think is a game changer, please. OK, let's talk about I was speaking for a women's leadership conference. And in the Q&A, a woman put her hand up and she said, Sam, why are women so catty to each other? Well, and I'd heard this question a lot and I decided it was time to make a shift. And I said, ladies, we are never going to ask or answer that question again, because over on the left, put the word deny. If someone makes an, a negative accusation, if we deny it, we argue and sometimes even prove their point. 
over on the right, I said, we're going to Don Draper this. Don Draper said, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Let's change the conversation. And here are the words. Do you know what I found? See, we don't argue with them. We don't say, I don't think women are catty. If we use their word, we reinforce the negative stereotype. We say, do you know what I found? And then we say, I think women are real champions of each other. I wouldn't have this speaking engagement if someone hadn't reached out and advocated for me. Now there's another, there's four words. Imagine someone says in the workplace, you don't care about your customers. We do too care about our customers. Ah, we're arguing with our customers about whether we care about our customers. Over on the right, say, what do you mean? Well, I've left three messages and no one's called back. Ah, what do you mean reveals the real issue? Mm -hmm. And we can address that instead of reacting to their accusation. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You know, you're responding instead of reacting. And that makes a big difference. And we're we're asking instead of assuming. And now mm -hmm. let's talk about relationships because we've talked about kids. We've talked about work. So imagine your partner says, you never listen to me. What's the first thing we normally say? I do too listen to you. And now we're arguing about what. And instead, look what happens when we say, what do you mean? They may say, well, you have your head in your phone. You haven't even looked up for the last half hour. Ah, we can put our, our phone down and give them our eyes. And do you see how asking what they mean or what makes them say that, you know, actually moves the conversation to cooperation instead of anchoring it in a conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That what do you mean instead? Yeah, so much good. So much good, Sam. So let's talk about why people should buy talking on eggshells because because every one of you and the same thing, like I'm getting this for everyone in my business, my customer service specifically, because this is just such empowering communication. Do you have this on audiobook too? You bet. I loved going into the studio and reliving these stories because I think, you know, I start every chapter with a real life Sorry. example, you know, no neck up rhetoric, blah, 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 blah. No, here's a real life situation that you've probably faced. And then we unpack it and and share exactly what we can say and what not to say in that situation so that we move it forward instead of anchoring it in the conflict so do we have time for another story about oh. uh, okay please you please were, you were talking about getting this for your team members especially people who are customer facing right people yeah. who answer the phones answer the emails you know fulfill the product orders etc so my 84 year old aunt k volunteers at a hospital five days a week. She drives to the hospital, helps out at the help desk. She did this even during COVID. And I asked what it was like. And she said one word, stressful. <laughs> and I said, well, put me in the scene where someone took their frustration out on you. And she didn't even have to think about it. She said that she was in the, she was helping out at the desk. A woman ran in holding up her phone saying, I just got a text from my daughter. She was in an accident. She's in the ER. I need to get in and see her. Well, Kate called and the nurse told her someone was already with the daughter. Well, you may remember the rules in COVID. It's only one visitor per patient, right? Per day. Mm -hmm. Kay had to deliver that bad news and the mother lost it. She is screaming. She's sobbing. She's, you know, I can't believe you. How could you deny me? You know, now over on the left, put the words, how rude. 
Because if we say, how rude, why are you blaming me? I didn't make the rules. It's not my fault. Down the spiral we go. Mm -hmm. Over on the right, put these four words. How would I feel? Mm -hmm. How would I feel if it was my daughter in the ER and I couldn't get in to see her? And Anna, those four words turned her from impatience to empathy, mm -hmm. from contempt to compassion, from there's nothing I can do to let me see if there's something I can do. She called the nurse back. She said, who is with the daughter? It was the Uber driver who had brought the young woman in. Kay was able to explain the situation and thank him. He left and the mother was able to get in with the daughter. So see, this isn't semantics. It transforms the whole situation from contempt. I can't believe you're blaming me. This isn't my fault to, you know, it's compassion. I may not like or agree with how they're treating me. I may understand it, though. I may be a little more empathetic, which gives me the incentive to try and help them instead of shut them down. Oh my gosh, we can all be such better people. <laughs> I just think about it. We can all be just these, you know, these pattern interrupts, right? Just being able yeah. to use this pattern interrupt to break that habit. Yeah. And and I think it's, you know, the words often being a physician too and, and working with patients, it's often being able to put words to the emotions that aren't being, ex you know, that are being expressed or, or underneath the service. I think about this beautiful young woman, 41, I saw in, in practice this last week, and she long haul COVID, long haul COVID, poor thing. I mean, she has a 10 year old and a seven year old. She'd had four vaccines, then COVID twice after, after the second infection, she's not been able to get out of bed. And so like sitting in my uh, exam room at this point, and I just looked at her and said, don't worry, you're gonna be able to be like the most amazing mother to your daughters again. And then she just started crying because like under the surface, I mean, like that was, you know, just that, that struggle, that emotion, but, you know, being able to have that release and to have that, like you said, compassion, that empathy, like, how would I feel in her situation? It gotta be so hard for me to mother my children, you know, and, and, and that can make a difference too. You anyway. know, Anna, see what over on the right put humanity is that I'm not saying that these words are a panacea, right? I'm not saying that they're going to fix everything and make everything perfect. That's, that is unrealistic, right? That would be nice, Sam. I'm kind nice. of relying on you for that. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. Here's the thing, though, is that we certify people in Tung Fu and in Talking on Eggshells. And there's a woman named Gwen Fujie in Hawaii. And uh, she's very good friends with her brother. And her brother had avoided going to a doctor for a long time. And he finally, she finally convinced him to go in and they did a battery of tests. And then the doctor called back and said, please come in tomorrow morning and please bring a family member. And he knew that wasn't good news. And when he walked in, unlike you, the doctor had all the charts up on behind and on the desk and he did not even look up. And he said, it's stage four cancer. We caught it too late. There's nothing we can do. And Gwen wanted to reach across the table and instead of saying, there's nothing we can do, look at the power of the two words, I wish, I wish there were more we could do, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, there's, you know, there's no way I can help, there's something I can suggest. 
This is the email of a support group online who help each other with recipes of food they can eat that they can keep down and what they do with etc. It's like what you're moral modeling is really the heart of what we're talking about in this book is that how we communicate with our loved ones and customers and our employees matters. And if we care enough to remember these words and responses on the right, it can create the quality of relationships that we all want, need, and deserve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm gonna say amen to that for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then thank you. Thank you, Sam. Tell our audience where to connect with you, where to get the multiple copies of this book that they're going to want to share for sure. <laughs> well, of course, they can get the book on Amazon. And if they find it valuable and leave a review, as you know, it, it makes so our day great. when someone takes three minutes to leave a review because our publisher tells me that that's the number one reason that people choose to buy a book is when they read positive reviews that say something specific about the value they got from the book. And uh, on my website, samhorn.com, I've got my three TEDx talks there. I've got other books that we haven't talked about. And uh, I hope they follow me on LinkedIn because uh, I post, I'm a writer. And every couple of days, I riff off the world. Life is my lab. And so, you know, I'll write about a conversation I just had and, a, and an insight that might give them an aha or a story where something happened that was really powerful. And so I hope they subscribe on LinkedIn and we connect there too. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to follow you on LinkedIn. I'm sure I am, but I'm going to double check. <laughs> I am going to double check. And I, you've said so many, I mean, like I just have a pages and pages of notes that I did and, and just that whole concept of the strategy that being able to give us something concrete to work with right? Versus esoteric. And you are so gifted at that. And the most gifted person in the world that I know of at, at this mastery. And we mentioned talking on eggshells, mentioned the title Tung Fu. I mean, again, what a great title. <laughs> well, will you talk about the gems, you know, why you wrote that book too, and, and just quickly the gems in that book, because that is another masterpiece. Well, thank you. You know, I, I wrote the book uh, Tung Fu more than 20 years ago, and it was actually the number three ranked book in South Korea almost 20 years after it was published. And Cho Sin Biz, which is their business newspaper, flew a reporter to interview me. And he said, Sam, this is changing the patriarchy in South Korea because it teaches people how to speak truth to power with respect. So if you know anyone who does martial arts, Tung Fu is like martial arts for the mind and mouth. <laughs> you know, it's how to deal with difficult people without becoming one ourselves. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for is I've had an opportunity to speak on that at the U.S. Embassy in London to Oracle, Intel, Accenture. And one of the things we talk about is in alignment with talking on eggshells, is that martial artists don't go out looking for fights. And if someone picks a fight with them, they don't fight or flail back and make it worse. Is that, you know, what can we say and do in situations so that we are a force for good? In fact, Mother Teresa said, the world is full of good people. If you can't find one, be one. <laughs> and that book shows how to be a good person even when other people aren't. I love that. I love that. There's so much, I mean, just so much truth in that. And what Mother Teresa is one of my idols too. So just so many gems, so many gems, Sam. And I want to thank you. I want 
definitely thank you for, I mean, I know how hard it is to write a book too, and mm -hmm. to put your spirit in the book and to keep it entertaining all throughout and the stories. Uh, you are really the greatest storyteller of all time. I mean, seriously, like uh, of our generation, I, I am engaged by our conversations and always you bring a smile to my face and make me feel better as a human than at the start of the conversation. So you're very gifted that way and an extraordinary person. And I, and I wanna thank you and thank you for all the hard work that you do and all the mentorship the, that you feed into us and, and sharing your knowledge so generously. I mean, just a gift. Thank you. So for my audience, you guys, samhorn.com, samhorn.com. Check it. I promise you, you will know that you have invested in a masterpiece and get so much improvement in your life and your words. And you'll thank me for that. So I want to encourage you to check out Sam Horn and wherever you get books, Amazon, Talking on Eggshells, start there leave sam a review again it means so much and this is best this is a bestseller this is absolutely a bestseller so leave your review let me know what inspires you what you take home and what you've taken from this conversation and the same is true that your reviews your comments your feedback means the world to me as well so thank you for being here thank you for being part of the girlfriend doctor community enjoy this and share this podcast with your friends. Enjoy the book and share widely. Thank you guys. Till next time.